morning. I'm grateful for the opportunity to preach this morning. I got a text on uh, Wednesday saying that uh, Sarah would be induced on Thursday. So uh, Pastor Chase and Sarah welcomed their fifth child uh, on Thursday evening, a little boy named Luke. And so I began uh, preparing for my sermon from then. Uh, but um, so we begin, we all love these um, epic stories, right? So maybe it's a, a war story or, or the Star, Star Wars series. And in most of these stories, there's some scene at the very beginning where there's this young hero and someone that they had looked up to their entire lives. Maybe it was their king or maybe their father, maybe their mentor. Now, this person has been mortally wounded, and as they lie there on their deathbed or, or out on the battlefield and, and they had just um, received this mortal wound, they say some words to this young hero, some, some sort of charge or some sort of revelation. And in all of these films, the words that are shared to this young person go on to shape the course of the rest of their lives. It's something that they repeat in their minds um, as they go through different challenges in life. And today we're going to look at the final commands of our king, King Jesus. And um, as we've been going with the students on Wednesday nights through the book of Matthew, uh, we've been focusing on Christ's different teachings, uh, less on the narrative and the different actions, but the sections of his teachings, uh, looking at the parables and these different monologues. And um, as the semester comes to an end, we find ourselves at the end of Matthew. And today I'm going to share with you from Matthew chapter 28. And uh, I ask that as you turn to Matthew chapter 28, if you'll also have a pen and paper ready, uh, whether you choose to take notes or not, that's up to you, but uh, there's going to be an exercise that we'll do in the uh, middle of the sermon where I'll ask everyone to um, write something down with a pen and paper, so I ask that you have that handy. Um, as we come here to the end of Matthew, we see that Christ himself was mortally wounded, and he died, and he was buried, but uh, we see at the uh, beginning of Matthew 28 that Christ was raised from the dead, and he came back to life, and and he had told his disciples um, that after this had happened, for them to meet him in Galilee on a mountain. And that's where we find ourselves at the end of Matthew 28 with the 11 disciples there. If you remember, um, there was 12. Judas had betrayed Christ and uh, committed suicide. And there, there was also um, likely women here who had followed Christ uh, throughout his ministry and possibly even others. And uh, we'll pick up at Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw them, they worshipped him, but some doubted, or, or some hesitated. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And Christ makes this declaration, these final commands to his people. And unlike the, the people that we had mentioned before, maybe the dying king, Christ doesn't say this from a position of weakness. But he makes these statements, this charge with authority. And we see in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, 
It's talking about Christ. It says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." The things that Christ is about to say is a statement that he says with great authority. He's not a king who is dying and says, hey, I want you to do this, and then he leaves to never see his people again. He's a king that sits in heaven reigning, and he's alive, and he's watching us, and he will return to judge the earth. So we should pay very close attention to these final words. And the charge that he gives them there in verse 19 is to make disciples. It's the one thing I want you guys to do when I leave you, is to go make disciples. What does this mean? We, we hear this word all the time in the church, right? Uh, Caitlin just said in the announcements earlier that we're going to be starting some uh, new round of discipleship classes. Maybe you read a book and it talks about being disciple makers. What exactly does this word disciple mean? It means that someone who's a follower of one's instructions or teachings. So you, you find someone in your life that you set as a mentor, and you shape all of your life after what this person does and says. We see this with Christ in his ministry. There was many that he spoke to, but there was only 12 that were called Christ's disciples. He spent three years living with these people. They were following him and everything that he did. We see Christ define discipleship a couple of times. Um, we see one in John chapter 8, verse 31. It says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed. So there's a, there's a crowd there, a large group of people he's speaking to. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This word abide means to live continually. So he's saying, hey, if you want to be my disciple, then I want you to live continually in the words that I've given you. And he said this to many, but we know that not all those that he said this to were his disciples because we see at the end of John 8 that the crowd picked up stones and they were ready to kill him. There was many who heard, but few who lived continually. We also see in the book of Luke, Christ talks about what it means to be a disciple. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 27, it says, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, there's a Mother's Day right there, happy Mother's Day, <laughs> and does not hate his own father or mother and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He says here in this passage, I'm calling you not only to obey with your actions and with your life, but I'm calling you to give up everything in your life and follow after me. And so this is what it means to be a disciple to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And here, as Matthew records in Matthew 28, 
Christ tells us how we should go about making disciples. He gives us three steps. The first we see in 19, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. In order for us to make disciples, it requires us to go, to get out. This word, nations, make disciples of all nations, it can be translated like ethnicities or, or people groups. It's often translated throughout the scriptures even as Gentiles, meaning those that are outside of the people of God, those that are out of the church. And so this process of making disciples begins with us going. As Pastor Chase talked about last week, yes, salvation is a work of God, but he's chosen to use us in this process. I think of Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And there are some among us who we need to make disciples of Christ. There are some children who have not yet committed their lives to Christ. Surely in this room today, there are some guests that have not committed their lives in that manner. On Wednesday nights, the gym is full of kids from the neighborhood that have not committed to be disciples of Christ. But our primary objective in making disciples is for us to go, for us to get out of this place. For you to get out of your church, for you to get out of the safety and security of your home, for us to get out into the neighborhoods. I think of just a couple weeks ago for Easter, Daniel Rodriguez had it on his heart to get out of this place and go door to door. And since then, we've seen several people come into our church and hear because he went and knocked on their door and invited them to come. We need to get out. We need to go into the public schools. I've made it a commitment of mine over the last couple months to go to Riverside Elementary every single Tuesday and have lunch with some of the kids. I've been building relationships with these students. And this last Wednesday, we saw four kids from the neighborhood that had never been to this church before because of the relationships that I've built with them. We need to get out and go to the undesirable places of Jeffersonville and Clarksville and New Albany. For some of us, we need to get out and get on a plane and go to the undesirable places around the world. And some, as you sit here, you need to not be here a year from now. You need to answer this call and go and be a part of the ministry that God has in store for you. God has not called us to live a life of comfort. He's called us to live a life of sacrifice. And God is calling many in this room. The question is, will you submit to his calling? And right before Christ said this in Matthew 28, Matthew records this in, in chapter 24, verse 14. He says, and this gospel of the kingdom, this good news of Jesus Christ, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. The same word from chapter 28. He says, and then the end will come. 
He says, this good news that we have trusted in will be preached to all the nations, all those outside of here. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but one thing I'm certain, because we are here in this moment, the end has not yet come, which means the work is not yet completed. And the first step is for us to go. The second step that we see is that we should baptize Matthew 28, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This word baptize means to immerse in water. This is the means by which the, we identify ourselves as Christ's disciples. It's a, dis, it's a symbol that shows that just like Christ, that we've been buried into the ground and that we've been raised to a new life. That we are a new person. This is something that the followers of Christ, the ones that he preached this very message to, took literally. Because we see in Acts chapter 2, when Peter goes, and, and they just killed his master, and, and they're out hunting for the rest of the disciples, and he decides to go into the dangerous place and stand in the middle of the city and begins to preach and he goes and, and he preaches in such a way that, that the people believe and they're energized. And they say, well, what should we do to be saved? And he gives them this command. He says, repent and be baptized. And we see that as we baptize, he, he says, baptize in the, in the name singular of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is what we call the Trinity. And we see that there are, there are three distinct persons they're all, each, equally God. And we see in the scriptures that there is only one God, only one name. And so when we are baptized, we identify ourselves with God the Father, our Creator, the Almighty. We identify ourselves with God the Son, who came to the earth and lived a perfect life and died taking our place. And now reigns as King and we identify ourselves with God the Spirit, who gives us life, awakens our dead souls, and comes, and he's our helper in this ministry. And as I preach today, I'm sure that there are some in this room who identify themselves as disciples of Christ, yet have not been baptized. My call to you is to obey and to publicly identify yourself as a disciple through baptism. And the third step that we see there in verse 20 is to teach. He says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And see, as we go out on this mission to make disciples, we, we can't just go on these crusades and, and get some big tents and, and some really famous preacher and go and, and preach the most single amazing sermon ever and have thousands of people come to faith and baptize them all and leave. That's not making disciples. True discipleship is when we continue to walk with people in this process and teaching them. Our goal is not just to baptize people. Our goal is to make disciples. And this happens through a lifetime of teaching. So how did Christ do this? Well, let's look at his ministry. 
Did he go preach sermons? Well, yeah, we see several times that he went into the synagogue and he's there preaching to these crowds. Did he host conferences? Well, yeah, we see these times when he goes up on the mountain and he gathers these huge crowds, 5,000 people, and he preaches for a whole day or a couple days. But what was the primary means of Christ accomplishing discipleship? It was him living his life with these 12 disciples, He's continually teaching them all day, every day, everywhere they went. He taught them as they walked down the road and said, hey, hey, you see this wheat over here? Well, l- let me tell you a story about this. He taught them as they sit at a table and, and ate. Say, hey, hey, you see this bread that we're about to eat? Hey, you see this wine that we're about to drink? Let me tell you a story about this. As they went through difficult situations and got ran out of town, people were chasing them with spears or rocks, ready to kill them. He pulls them aside. He says, hey, hey, let me tell you about this. If you want to follow me, you too will be persecuted. Christ made a lifestyle of living with these people and discipling them on a daily basis. And what was he teaching them? Well, as it says here, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We should teach them all of the scriptures. Everything that God has put in here is useful for our lives. All the things in the Old and the New Testaments. These are things that we should be teaching those that we are discipling. And what's our goal of discipleship? It's not just giving people a whole bunch of knowledge. Right? When someone stands before you and, and Pastor Chase teaches on Sunday mornings or, or one of your Sunday school teachers is there in your class with you, their goal should not be to make you an expert on the history of the book of Luke. It says right here, teaching them to observe. This means to pay careful attention to. The goal of our teaching is life change. That you guys will hear this, that you will receive the knowledge, and that it will bear fruit in your life. See, when we just go, maybe it's a short-term mission trip, or maybe it's a crusade, or maybe it's a single event that we have at this church. When we just go and baptize, but we don't teach, we're actually doing great harm to both those individuals and to our faith as a whole. Because when difficult times come in their life, and difficult times will come, right, for those who are followers of Christ, when those difficult times come, they have no solid foundation beneath their feet to stand on, and their faith crumbles, and everyone looks at them and says, I don't want to be like those Christians, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. We have a responsibility to come beside people and help them walk in faithfulness. We see an example of Paul and Barnabas in the book of Acts of of them doing exactly this. They received this charge from Christ and they go out on these missionary journeys. They go into the difficult places where no one had been. And in Acts chapter 14, we see this recorded. Verse 21, it says, When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made disciples... So so they went and they taught, and people came to faith. It says um, in verse uh, 
um, 21, it says, They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They didn't just come in really quick and say these things and leave. They continued with the people. And they were strengthening souls. And they were encouraging them. And they were warning them of the difficulty to come. And they were establishing local elders, local churches, to continue this work of discipleship. And we see in verse 28 at the very end, it says, And they remained no little time with the disciples. It means that they remained with them for a very long time. See, true discipleship takes time. It's not something that we can just easily do in a weekend conference or seminar. It means you living life and investing time with people. And there's some ways that we've created here at Oak Park formally for us to do this. One, obviously, is the Sunday sermon that you guys receive, teaching every week on Sunday, but also the discipleship classes where, where teachers are coming and, and they're walking alongside of the scriptures and explaining things to you. And also community groups where, where different volunteers come alongside and they, they walk with people and they help encourage them and, and put flesh and, and help you to observe the things that you've heard here on Sunday morning. There's also informal ways that this is happening throughout our church in the week. People doing this in, in their workplaces once a week before the job starts. Or, or people doing this every day as they're sitting and doing their job. Barber cutting hair and, and talking with people and teaching them. It's happening many times throughout the week in coffee shops. People come together throughout the week and have meals together. Helping one another observe the things that Christ has commanded us. Some of the greatest discipleship that takes place in my life with others takes place at our dinner table and in my car. Every Wednesday we have students over before um, church and every Sunday after church. And as they sit at our table, we're having conversations. And as I take kids home, every single week the radio's never on and we just sit there and talk Hey, what have you been reading this week? Hey, tell me how things have been going at, at home with your folks. Teaching people to observe the things that God has commanded us. And so the real question is not what this, does this text mean, but how are we doing at making disciples? See, my goal is not to just teach you a bunch of stuff, but help you to be careful to pay attention to the things that God has commanded us. Many people have memorized this verse if you've grown up in church. You, you know this verse. You could tell it to me. But as James says, he says, May we not just be hearers of the word and so deceive ourselves. May we do what it says. So I want to encourage everyone in this room that identifies themselves as a follower of Christ to pull out a piece of paper and a pen. You can just flip over the back of your bulletin. And first, anywhere on your page there, I want you to write the word go. And I want you to, to draw a blank beside the word go. And I want you to go down another line, 
and I want you to write the word baptize and draw a blank beside the word baptize. And then I want you to go down another line and I want you to write the word teach and draw a line next to the word teach. And I want to challenge you guys to think over the last year, so since May 2016, over the last year, think of one person in your life outside of your home, outside of this church, that you have gone to proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. Write that name down. Someone that you've gone to that did not previously know these things that you've shared them with. And the next one, baptize. In the last year, since May 2016, someone that God has specifically used you for them to come to faith and to be baptized into Christ. Maybe not baptized here at Oak Park. Maybe it could have been a part of a church where they live or something else. Someone that God has used in this last year has now identified themselves as a follower of Christ and been baptized. And finally, teach. Someone in the last year that you've taught and spent a great amount of time investing in them and helping them to observe the things that Christ has commanded. And I'm sure that for some in this room, they were able to trace one name through all three of those. Someone in this last year that they've gone to and that they shared and that person committed their life to Christ and was baptized and now they continue the work of teaching. But I'm afraid that there's many in this room that have many blanks on their page. I think if we were doing well at this, this process of making disciples, that every chair in this place every Sunday would be filled And every week as we gather together, we would see people come and stand before us and give testimony about how they were addicted to certain things and how their life was hopeless. But they heard Christ, and now things have been completely changed. And we would see these waters behind us filled on a regular basis and us constantly baptizing new disciples My friend, our our goal is not for us just to be busy in the church. Our goal is to be making disciples. I think about a typical Sunday morning, the the musicians, they come early and they they practice with their different instruments. And the tech team comes in to support them in the back. There's people who come and, and begin to make coffee in the lobby and get things prepared out there. And the door greeters come, and they, they spread out to their, their different locations. And the child care workers show up, and they take their place in the nursery. And the ushers come, the security team comes. And all those things are necessary for us to have our worship service every Sunday. We need those things. But our goal is not just to be busy in the church. Being busy is not equal to making disciples. Our call is not to just be busy doing things in the church. Our call is to be intentional with our life. I think about the the previous church that I attended before I came here. I had not been walking faithfully with Christ for some time. 
And I decided to visit this church, and, and I, I began to go there more frequently. God began to do a work in my life, and they had a need for people to help in the parking lot after the service was over to direct cars out and make things go a little bit smoother. And so I thought, hey, you know what? This is something I could do. And there was this faithful brother. His name was Brad Bartlett. And every week um, before the service got out, he would get together with his parking lot team, and he would have a meeting, and um, he would sign people to different stations. He'd hand out, you know, the the fancy yellow reflective vest and and the little wand uh, that got the orange flashy light and uh, when I proved myself really good at this I was given a radio and and so we went out into the parking lot but Brad was certain every week to not assign himself a position unless he absolutely had to and he took the time every single week before the service got out to walk around from person to person in the parking lot and check up on their life and, and see how they've been living and, and how they've been reading the scriptures and understanding things. And then the big rush of cars and, and afterwards we would go back to the closet and turn our things in. And every week Brad's standing there. And he's waiting for these men to come out of the parking lot. And he greets them and he thanks them. And then he continues those conversations. And nearly every week Brad was one of the last people to leave the church because he's having these conversations, he's investing in us. And his wife was still in school at the time, so every Thursday when she had classes late at night, instead of just going home and warming up some leftovers and having a meal by himself, he would connect with these different men and take them out to dinner and spend time discipling them. Brad wasn't a pastor. Brad He's not a Sunday school teacher. He's just the head parking lot attendant. But over the years in this ministry, Brad has discipled many. And me standing here before you this day is fruit to his efforts. And one day, Brad will stand before Christ. And words that we hear in Matthew chapter 25, Christ will look at him and say, you have been faithful with little. Now I will put you in charge of much. Enter into the joy of your master. And King Jesus will put Brad in charge of many things. And so I was thinking through what are some of the reasons why we are not out making disciples? I think for some, very bluntly, they just don't care. It's not a priority of their life. And my challenge to you is if you identify yourself as a follower of Christ, but you aren't doing the one thing that he asked us to do before he left this earth, are you truly his disciple? Just think of a king who's dying He'd been wounded out on the battlefield, and he asked his sons, hey, go get vengeance towards those who who caused me this pain and have taken my life. And just imagine if the king died and left, and his sons were like, hey, you know what? Dad's dead. We don't have to do the things that he asked us to now. Or what if they even went out and made an alliance with the very enemies 
their father asked them to go conquer. I want to remind you that Christ is still alive. And there will come a day when we have to give account for how we obeyed his commands. I think for others, the reason they don't make disciples, they say, well, well, that's the job for the paid pastors. I give generously in the offering plate every week so that those on staff can go out and make disciples. May I remind you that we are all called to full-time ministry. Some of us are paid and others are not, but we all have the same mission. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. For what purpose? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He says, we are all priests, and we all have the objective to go out and proclaim Christ and what he's done in our lives. I think for others, they say, hey, the reason why I don't do this is because I just don't have the time. I think for us that, that are full-time ministers here at the church, the temptation can even be the same. Weeks are filled with meetings and planning different events and scheduling extended care and responding to emails. And if we ourselves are not careful to make discipleship a priority, something that can easily be set aside. I remember a couple years ago when um, Cody was faithfully leading the ministry uh, to the Jeff football team, and he decided to step aside when he took the position at IUS, and uh, Pastor Chase came to my office, and he said, hey, uh, I want you to take over this football ministry. I, I was not excited about that opportunity. I had a lot going on in my week, and to spend all afternoon on Thursday um, and coming up here on Friday and preparing the meals was not something that I was excited about. But let me tell you, when, when I went and I began to preach, and I saw some of these young brothers come to faith in Christ and baptized, and I get the opportunity to disciple them every week, Outside of, of my wife and my son, there's been no greater joy in the last year than getting to disciple these. I think about most of us, when we say we don't have time, the truth is that we don't make the time. We're busy building our own kingdoms and not the kingdom of heaven. And the last reason why some may not be making disciples they may say, hey, I'm just not equipped. And for some of you who say that, it's a very sorry excuse because you've been a Christian for a long time. Too long to not be equipped. Paul says this in the book of Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 to 13. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Think about your life. Should some of you be teachers? Should some of you be going out and be pastors? Should some of you be going out and, and be missionaries? But you're still just a child drinking milk. 
There's so many opportunities that we've created here at Oak Park to help you be equipped. And if you're just showing up on Sunday for an hour and a half and leaving, you're, you're missing out on the primary means that God has put in place to prepare you for his work. Every week before this service, there's discipleship classes where different people are teaching all the commands that God has given us. And then throughout the week, maybe Sunday night or, or other nights throughout the week, there's community groups where people are coming alongside people and helping them to observe these things and live them out. This is the purpose of the leaders of the church. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 that the purpose of elders and pastors and teachers is to equip the saints for ministry so that you will not be a child, but that you will be mature. If this point speaks to you, I encourage you to go visit the welcome desk after the service and pick up one of those flyers and see how you can get plugged into a discipleship class this next quarter. Or go see where the different community groups are and jump in and allow people into your life to disciple you. And I'll even give this charge to others. You say, hey, you know what? I'm a mature believer. I don't need this. Maybe there's someone else that needs you to come beside them and be a part of the discipleship classes and be a part of the community group and for you to disciple them. I encourage you to take advantage of these opportunities to be equipped. And then Christ finished his command with these words at the end of Matthew 28. He says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says, hey, you know what? I'm leaving you. I'm going to go into heaven right now. He says, but you know what? I, I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you alone. It says in, in uh, John chapter 20 at the end of John's book, quite possibly the same setting here, Christ says to them, he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. It says, then he breathed his spirit on them. In John chapter 14, Christ says this, in verse 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, right? Those who are obeying are his disciples. And then he goes on to say this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then he, he says this at the end of that section in verse 26. He says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See, discipleship is difficult. If you're living life with these people, they see all of your life. He says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So that way, when you're struggling, I'll teach you how to obey. And discipleship is difficult because there's a lot of conversations that you weren't ready for. And he says, when you're having these conversations, I'm going to send the Spirit. 
And the Spirit's going to remind you of the things that you've heard. And discipleship can be difficult because people's lives are messy and complicated. And he says, I'm going to send the Spirit to you to bring you peace and to encourage you. He says, surely you are not alone. May receive these final words of our King. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let us pray. God, I pray that my life will honor your final commands. God, may I be one who lives the way that you ask. May I be going out from here. And may my message be fruitful and seeing souls baptized. And may I be faithful in teaching them. And God, I pray for this church that we will not just hear the words, but that we will do them. And that there will be many in our communities and outside of southern Indiana and all around the world from this place that become disciples because people here are going out. They're no longer living in their comfort and their security, but they're doing your work and they're faithful to your call. May your spirit stir up souls and show them the ministry that you have in store for them. And then this time while they're still with us, may they be eager to be equipped we pray that as a result of your spirit moving and the commands that you've given us, that we will see many lives changed, that we will see many souls baptized, and that we will honor our King who is still reigning in heaven to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let's stand together.